so here we are. We found ourselves in the 82nd day of our third season of uh, Shaped by the Word, which is a, uh, a, a title for a podcast that I so deeply love. Uh, we hope more than anything else that as we come to God's Word that is continuing to stir our affections and to convict us of our sin and bring us into the presence of God to be restored and renewed and transformed into the image of His Son. And uh, in our third season, uh, where we're focusing on you know, a section that's in the last portion of our Old Testament uh, that uh, often, you know, doesn't get nearly the tension it deserves, but it is the bridge between the promises of God and, and, and the Old Testament to their fulfillment in the person of Christ. And so you see, you know, the textures in this tapestry of God's judgment and of God's grace and of God's longing for his people and his people's, you know, complacency and rebellion against him. And, and so it's not only a picture of uh, Israel in the time of Isaiah, but it's a picture of uh, every one of us at different stages in our life. So as we come to uh, you know, Isaiah 36, it's kind of an interesting little section in the middle. It's, it's a historical interlude. In other words, Isaiah comes to us in this very passionate poetry and prose with nice Hebrew you know, parallelism. And it's, it's a very pointed. The images he uses are, are deeply vivid. Uh, he stopped us right here, and we're a little bit over halfway through in our journey to tell us exactly where we are. And uh, there's a threat against the nation, one of the most powerful kings, you know, on the face of the earth. Uh, Israel's been depending, as you, as we've read, you know, on Egypt, and Egypt is paltry in her power compared to uh, you know, Syria and Sennacherib. Uh, part of the nation of Israel has already been wiped out and has already you know, succumbed you know, to the threat and will never fully you know be restored uh and so the threat is coming looming on jerusalem you know the city as well and on uh, on the tribe of tribe of judah and it is a it is a huge threat and and we can't tell you exactly how it works out because that's for monday uh but god is going to do something incredible and so isaiah stops to tell us about it and, and to paint this picture so we get the threat here and uh come uh, next monday uh, we'll see God's mighty hand in relieving the threat. And, and I've already probably given you way too much information there. Uh, you can read ahead if you want. Isaiah 36, before we read, uh, David, do you mind uh, just leading us to offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord? Mm-hmm. Let's pray. And Father, we do, um, even though that even in the next few minutes of looking at your word and, and in so many ways letting it look at us, that you can do a great work, you can renew us, restore us, um, take our eyes off of so many of the little things that are bothering us or uh, annoying us and fix our gaze um, where it needs to be, which is on you. And so may you give us eyes to see and ears to hear and, and may our lives um, truly be, as we often say, shaped by your word so that we can live as your people in this time and, and in this place. You pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Isaiah 36, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, Sennacherib, king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. And then the king of Assyria sent his field commander with a large army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. The commander stopped at the aqueduct of the upper pool on the road to the launderer's field at Lachim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder, went out to meet him. Field commander said to them, Tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria, says. 
on what are you basing this confidence of yours? You say that you have counsel and might for war, but you speak only empty words. On whom are you depending that you rebel against me? Look, I know you are depending on Egypt, that splintered reed of a staff which pierces the hand of anyone who leans on it. Such is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, who all depend on him. But if you say to me, we're depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar? Come now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I'll give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. How then can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials, even though you're depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this land without the Lord? The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. Then Elikim, Shebna, and Joah said to the field commander, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew and the hearing of the people and the law. But the commander replied, Was it only to your master and to you that my master sent me to say these things and not to the people sitting on the wall who, like you, will have to eat their own excrement and drink their own urine? Then the commander stood and called out in Hebrew, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Syria. This is what the king says. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says, The Lord will surely deliver us. The city will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. This is what the king of Assyria says. Make peace with me and come out to me. Then each of you will eat fruit from your own vine and fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and take you to a land like your own, a land full of grain and new wine, a land of bread and of vineyards. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you when he says the Lord will deliver us. Have the gods of any other nation delivered their lands from the hand of the king of Assyria or the gods of Hamath and Arphad? Where are the gods of Shepharim? Have they rescued Samaria from my hand? Who of all the gods of these countries have been able to save their lands from me? How then can the Lord deliver Jerusalem from my hand? But the people remained silent and said nothing in reply, because the king had commanded them, Do not answer him. Then Elakim, son of Hilkiah, the palace administrator, Shebna, the secretary of uh, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder, went to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him what the field commander had said. Uh, this pretty impressive army, and uh, of course they're returning, part of them are returning from Lachish, and the fact that they've won this decisive battle in Lachish means that they have cut off Egypt from being able to come into rescue Israel. And so uh, you know, Isaiah has been warning them for a long time, why are you depending on you know, Egypt? And, and there's a irony there that the people of Israel, who God who had delivered with mighty power, from Egypt were looking to Egypt for their salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, looking to their oppressors from which God had rescued them for salvation rather than looking in into the God who had, had given them salvation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the king of Assyria comes along and evidently is well-spoken in Hebrew. It's, just, <laughs> it's very hard to master. It, I, spent, uh, I spent a couple of ba- uh, semesters working on that myself and have completely given up on it. I mean, even the response back to him: "Speak to your servants in Aramaic, Aramaic, for we, you know, don't understand it, you know, and let alone, yeah, these are the ones that probably should be understanding that." Yeah, we, we we can speak your language, you know. Yeah, but, uh, you know, hide this, you know, hide this, you know, hide this from the people. Mm-hmm. There's some, you know, there's some, uh, you know, uh, there's some truth in what, um, you know, what the field commander is saying. You know that 
these are the this is the pointed hand of God for you know judgment, you know on 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 his on his people. Uh, I may be giving too much away. They will ultimately not be successful here uh, because God Himself has a a, a point to be made mm-hmm. and a hand to be shown. Uh, so there, there is some, you know, there is some you know, truth to it. Uh, he's also a little confused in his theology. He said, you know, didn't Hezekiah just destroy all the altars of this god, and he's mm-hmm. destroyed all the false, you know, the altars to the false gods, the asteroids and the bells, mm-hmm. and stuff that the people are kind of, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> moving back and forth between, you know, two worlds, you know, as they worship God, and, and as they, you know, come into his, you know, come into his presence, mm-hmm. and, and of course, you certainly see ancient warfare, you know, largely that siege mentality where people were cut off from food and. Mm-hmm. And horrible atrocities mm-hmm. would happen, uh, of which the ones mentioned here, uh, which I'm, I'm not even going to repeat, you know, for the sake of a PG-13, you know, kind of, you know, podcast, uh, were, were minimal mm-hmm. compared to long, sustained, you know, moments of horrific mm-hmm. being shut off from supply. Yeah. And I was going to say, I in a little bit of a turn here, um, I see sort of a hint of the garden conversation to me. I mean, it was like where. He's saying, don't let Hezekiah persuade you to trust in the Lord when he says that, you know, the Lord would deliver. And then he offers them, you know, make peace with me and come out. And then each of you will eat fruit from your own vine and, you know, fig tree and drink water from your own. And it's just this idea of holding out sort of this false promise, you know, like, don't trust God. Here, I have something better for you, you know, and it just is. No, that is, that is, echo. That's there is an echo of the garden there. And, mm-hmm. and you know, and the echo is, you know, your God really can't be trusted. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, if you trust me, I have good things that I can give mm-hmm. you. And to be every bit as good as the gifts he's given you. You know, and, and of course, there is a bait and switch there. He said, uh, you, you'll get to sit at your own vineyard for for about ten minutes, and then I'll move you to another. <laughs> then move you to another country. Exactly. But it's going to have good vineyards too. You know, kind of, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That theme though of just who will you trust runs throughout this whole chapter from yeah. the very beginning of the speech. You know, mm-hmm. what are you basing this confidence of yours? Yeah, I know. On whom are you depending? Mm-hmm. You know, that you would rebel against me. He's like, I know you've depended on on Egypt, and you say you'll depend on God. But like, I mean, it's over and over again. Don't let Hezekiah persuade you to trust the Lord. Don't let Hezekiah mislead you when he says the Lord will deliver us. And, you know, who will mm-hmm. you trust in? You know, because we can offer you a lot of good things. We can oh, offer yeah. you so many horses that I don't even know if you have enough riders for them. You know, <laughs> that, that, that yeah. he's, he's mocking them. Yeah. Yeah. He said, gosh, this is such a, he said, look at my armies. Yeah. Look at your armies. Yeah. You don't have one. Yeah. You, you really don't have one. Mm-hmm. And, and we've already cut you off from Egypt. So Egypt's not coming. And, and I like that you know, description, that splintered reed of a staff. If you lean on it, it'll break. And not only that, it'll just kind of rip right through your hand. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and, and of course, that is what they were, you know, what they were, to, you know, what they're depending on. He said, "So, yeah, there, there's some good horses. I, I doubt you have anybody who could even know how to ride a war horse, much less go to war against all these other thousands, mm-hmm. you know, of horses. So look around you. Look at Samaria. It's already been flattened. Is there God able to save them? Look at Hamath, Arphad. Mm-hmm. You know, if their God's been able to save them, how is yours any different? Mm-hmm. And, and you hear also echoes not only of the garden, but you have hear echoes of uh, you know David's challenge, you know, with Goliath as he he mocks mm-hmm. he mocks their God. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. you're going to see again. I'm giving away too much. You're going to see some of the response of David and Hezekiah as well. 
All right, so we're, we're left hanging there, and I was determined not to give anything away, and I've, I've given you some strong hints that uh, God is going to champion the cause of his people. Mm. However, uh, uh, they will fall back into complacency, mm-hmm. and they will finally be judged, uh, not by this king, but by another. Mm-hmm. Father, we thank you for a week in your word. We thank you uh, uh, for the textures of Scripture. We thank you for a story that is deeply rich and all too familiar, you know, not because I, we find ourselves in ancient Israel experiencing the sights and the sounds, but because it, it's, it's common to who we are. And, and we place our confidence in the wrong thing. Uh, while our lips say we believe in God, uh, we're, we're really only confident when everything else is falling into place for us in exactly the way we want it to. Uh, may you reveal the idolatries of our heart, and may we, as Hezekiah was faithful in tearing down altars, may we do so as well. Mm-hmm. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.